welcome to, and now for something completely Machinima special podcast on building a Machinima PC. I'm here with my pal, uh, Phil Rice, who yep. owns a computer company um, and does build PCs for a living. So we're going to defer to him on issues. I'm just a uh, glorified amateur. Not a bad one. I've made uh, seven seven of my own last computers I built all myself. So oh, wow. Uh, I love doing the Seven. research. Yeah. I started back in the middle or late 1998, 99, I think that's was my first. I, that's about when I started too. My first computer. And then I've just, of course, I, re, I remember that first experience when you're building a computer for the first time and, you know, you just, you've, you've got your little grounding strap and you've got all of, <laughs> you know what I mean? You've got the, the thing laid out. You've got all of the instructions. Everything is set. You've put it together. You've taken your time. You've worried about it. And you're going to press that power button. You remember that experience of the very yeah, you just first left time? Out the prayer. You left out the prayer step right before <laughs> pressing the power button. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, being agnostic, I wouldn't do that. But right. uh, I, I know what you mean. But that first time you press that button and you go, oh, my God, is it going to blow? You literally think it's going to blow up. Yes. <laughs> but it, it works. And you go, Christ, I actually did it. I put together yeah. my own computer, you know, no BSODs, no nothing. So I've been doing that ever since. And part of the fun is doing the research on finding out uh, uh, various components and that. And YouTube is just like, oh, my God, is it filled with people. Linus Tech Tips is one of the ones I like to watch because the guy's so, too. he is just so ferociously. He's wonderful. Uh, uh, what's the word? Ferociously, obnoxiously funny. <laughs> you know, I just love that. The kind of kid in class who just waving their hands all the time, but they're right in everything they yes. say, you know, and then lots of other really good ones. I discovered a lady, a think computer, I think it is uh, very careful and quiet um, evaluations of what's going on. She's, she oftentimes will make connections between things that the other ones leave out in their sort of high pitched uh, salesman kind of brio approach. But anyway, that world of YouTube is a great place to go to learn and do research. Um, that's what I did uh, when I came up with my build for this. But as a, let's get started with the the first question, which is: we're obviously we're going to make a PC. We're not going to make a we're not going to use an Apple product, even though Apple makes a great laptop and a and an iMac. Um, they're more for creatives, people who will create content like uh, uh, graphic. Uh, motion graphics or photography or that sort of thing. And they don't really have much of an investment in gaming. We, since Machinima is so closely uh, related to gaming, we're going to have to go with a PC, right, Phil? Yeah, I would agree. I would, I would agree with everything you just said there. Yeah. That, that Mac makes great computers. Um, but yeah, that, that uh, I think PCs because of the, 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 de the detailed way in which you can configure it specifically that's just something that, well, from the beginning, Apple's really never set out to to go after that market. Uh, the the whole paradigm that they're built on, um, just just that's not the strength of it. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I think a PC is the way to go. Right. So now the question becomes, what kind of PC do we need in order to make machinima? Now, making machinima involves playing games at a high enough frame rate so that everything is smooth, right? Right. And then we also need to be able to capture that footage 
And then we'd be able to be able to use that footage to edit it, um, to add effects, to do post-production, to create audio mixes. So there's a certain amount of secondary activity on the PC that we need that is CPU intensive as opposed to games which are graph GPU intensive. Uh, would you agree with that? I would. I would. It's it's kind of a unique uh, scenario in, in the world of content creation um, because, yeah, it, it's it's really it's two different specifications that you ideally you would, would like to be able to get it all done on on one computer. And that's got some, some special considerations, which we'll, we'll go over here. Right. Now we're going to be talking about building a PC workstation as opposed to a laptop, Mm -hmm. but laptops have become pretty powerful in the last um, four or five years to the point where they've actually become sort of pseudo workstations in themselves. Um, I, I guess the issue there is that you don't have the ability to interchange and upgrade parts in the same ease on a laptop that you do in a PC, right? Yeah, very much so. That's the case. Um, there are people who, uh, and for some people, a laptop is going to be uh, the the right machine for them. They just need to augment it a little bit with some peripherals. Uh, the biggest challenge on a laptop, apart from uh, getting a graphics card to perform like you can get a PC graphics card to do, which I'll... I'll Remind me, and I'll get into why that is. Um, but the biggest challenge on a laptop is storage space, uh, because the kinds of stuff that we do, generating video footage, usually, ideally, you want your your source footage in pretty high resolution to get a good end result, and that just takes up copious yeah. amounts of space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, but fortunately, storage is relatively inexpensive. You can get just enormous hard drives with a USB three interface and while it may not it may not be ideal for streaming your your capture straight to that device it certainly is a place where you can offload that storage uh, and and do so relatively inexpensively um, Seagate and Western digital both make I don't know eight 10 terabyte hard drives that are uh, very reasonably priced compared to what they were even a few years ago. So if you're going to go with a laptop platform, you just want to plan for you're going to need more storage than a laptop can likely uh, can likely provide to you. Um, the, the biggest reason why we're going to focus on PC instead of laptop, though, does come down to the the graphics card um, uh, and to some degree also the the, the processor, um, both of which generate a lot of heat when they're doing their work for, well, frankly, just for running most high-end video games. But but then if you, on top of that, you're trying to capture the footage right there too. Um, those chips get hot. They need to run their fans faster. And laptops, they kind of have to be, uh, what's the word? They're, they're limited by nature into how fast those things can go because... There's just only so fast. There's only so efficiently you can get heat out of a laptop, right? Well, isn't there something called and burns? You know, yeah. And there's something called thermal throttling, where some laptops actually, once it reaches a certain level of heat, it throttles the performance. Yeah, I, to my understanding, almost all laptops have that to some degree or another. Um, now you you get your higher end, specifically designed for gaming laptops. MSI makes some great ones right now. Uh, they're they're 
they what I consider my favorite. Um, but yeah, even then, the the heat has to get out of there. And with a PC, you've got some, you've got a lot of ways to get that heat away from the processor fast. And with a laptop, because it's all enclosed like that, limited ventilation possibilities. Um, it's 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 just that that's going to limit the possible performance. Right. Um, and and so if you want optimal performance, yeah, a PC is going to be where you yeah. can get that. Not to mention fan noise, which is going to be over 50 decibels on a Absolutely. laptop. It's going to be blaring away. So you can have to do everything with the headphones. So That's it's right. pretty obvious that the way to go, if you're going to be making machinima in a serious way, is to build it as a PC. So what's the first consideration while we're making this uh, imaginary machinima PC, Phil? Well, probably... Uh, for most people, the first thing that has to be considered is is uh, how much budget you've got to put toward it. You know, because there there are there's a you can you can build a PC just a general PC for you know under a thousand dollars quite easily, or you can spend two or three thousand, or or much 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 more if it's it's you know. So there there's a wide range there. I think we should probably focus. Um, uh, our build on something that's probably within reach of most people, but but understand as we go through and discuss this that uh, these things can all be uh, incrementally tweaked and adjusted, either up or down, if you've got more or less budget to throw at this. And we'll tr- we'll try and cover that for all the major points that we we do, like where you can can uh, save a little money or if you've got more money to throw at it, where it would be best spent. But budget is the, the big consideration for most people. You know, money's not I budgeted unlimited. myself on building my own machinima computer build around a thousand dollars, a thousand to twelve hundred, right around in that area. Okay. And and my focus, my splurge was on the GPU. That was where I spent most of my money because well I if I can actually find a GPU, that's the thing. We'll talk about that in a minute, but um, I'm hoping, uh, you know, I think my GPU uh, is around 450 bucks. That's what what my splurge is. Everything else is secondary. And um, what, what was your, your thoughts about what your focus should be on in terms of expense and in your budget? Yeah. GPU is going to be, uh, the deciding factor for most people, it, it is the single most uh, influential piece in terms of the overall cost of your, your build. The good news about a PC is that, um, like what I did real recently, we'll get into the specifics of, of my build, but my most recent build, um, I couldn't get the graphics card that, that I really wanted, not because of availability, but because, you know, the... the the highest end or, or near highest end NVIDIA graphics cards are more than you budgeted for your whole PC. You know, you can spend thirteen to fifteen hundred dollars easily on just the graphics card. That's insane, you know. And and uh, it, even as a uh, big time PC nerd and as a professional in this space, even I'm like, come on, you know. So the the good news is that there's a lot of leeway there. And you can still get very decent performance out of a card that doesn't cost anywhere near that much. Right. Um, and then later, if you do save up for, and and they're available for one of the higher end cards, 
then you can install that into your computer if you've if you've uh, planned even a little bit appropriately. So, um, yeah, the, the the GPU is a big factor. The CPU that you choose, um, there's also a lot of expense variance there. Um, you know, whether it's one of the high end uh, Intel uh, i9 is the highest end one right now. Um, they're already talking about the next generation uh, of those. Uh, I believe it's going to be the 11th generation of Intel. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got your uh, uh, AMD line, the uh, Ryzen CPUs, which are generally uh, less expensive than their Intel counterparts, but a lot of gamers really love them, um, that they seem like really good bang for your buck. So uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of leeway there. Um, generally speaking, if you're going with Intel, you're pretty much going to want an i7 processor minimum. Mm. You could get, you could maybe scrape by and get away with Intel i5, but if you can at all do it, you want to at least go with i7. And if you, if you've really got good budget to throw at it, then go ahead and splurge for an i9. Yeah. Um, it does make a difference. And on the, the Ryzen's, I think, uh, the, the Ryzen seven is, is, uh, I think that's the highest one right now. I'm not quite as familiar with, with. Well, I think the, there's uh, a nine. There. Is there a nine? There's a as nine, well? yeah. But the, the seven really is more one. the uh, price point. In right. my build, I have a Ryzen seven 3700X, eight core, sixteen thread CPU. And that's a good point too. Is that the? It used to be, and you and I can both remember this, rookie, from back in the early days. That the most important number with regard to your CPU was that gigahertz number, you know, at such and such gigahertz. That's, that's, or, or when we were doing it originally, it was megahertz that they were talking about it, but <laughs> that was the number that was important. But since, since processors went multi-core, basically what, when, when Ricky mentioned he's getting an, an eight core Ryzen, that, that essentially means that there are eight processors in there, essentially. Um, and so each one of those has a speed that it operates at. So the number of cores is, in my opinion, way more important to look at than the actual gigahertz speed. Because that doesn't right. look like it's, if you look just at the gigahertz, it doesn't look like it's changed much in the last 15 years. But that's because the number of cores has been multiplying. So you can, you know, you can get a quad or an eight core processor, or you can get one that's, that's you know, got double that. Um, so those are the numbers to... Uh, to look at generally. And yeah, CPU is going to be one that you can spend a lot or not so much on. Uh, RAM and storage and those types of things, the case, those are relatively comparatively inexpensive. Um, and and There's a wide you know, market for those too. There's a absolutely. lot of people and they undercut each other in price and they you end up getting a real good bang for your buck on those because there's yes. so much healthy competition. Absolutely. Even I would say motherboard doesn't really matter all that much. It used to more, I feel like. I think but so, too. But now it's good to go with a reputable brand. Um, Asus is, is a strong leader in that market. Uh, Gigabyte makes good motherboards. Uh, there are a handful of others, but, but the specific motherboard isn't as important as matching it up to the processor that it's going to house. You know, it, it, That's the most important right. aspect of the motherboard is uh, what type of socket is on there so that you know that that matches the type of chip you're getting. If you shop for these kind of parts on Newegg or Amazon or something like that, they almost always have some kind of configurator on there where you can match those up and make sure that they're compatible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's a good idea to use that. Um, 
but yeah, the main, the most important element of the motherboard is uh, the what kind of socket it has for the CPU. And then beyond that, you just want to look at what other stuff are you wanting to plug into this. Um, you're generally going to have a slot, a, a PCI Express slot that's going to be there for your graphics card. That's going to be fine. Do you want to have the ability to plug a one of the chip-based M2 solid-state drives right on the motherboard for a faster bus speed? Or you can just plug them in like regular old SATA hard drives. Um, so uh, those features, you're spoiled for choice on those. Yeah, you have a lot of the, room for The those. important thing is is matching it up with the processor and and then knowing what speed right. of, of memory or RAM right. plugs into it. Well, I suppose we should address the GPU issue, which is sort of the elephant elephant in the room. Right. Um, I'm about every two years I do a build, a new build, and so I was excited to uh, start the process of doing a new build. Actually, not so much of a build from scratch, but a sort of a transformation of my existing uh, workstation from a 3D focus to a game focus. But uh, when I started doing research, I looked everywhere and there are no GPUs for sale anywhere. You go to Newegg, sold out, sold out, sold out. You go to NVIDIA, sold out, sold out, sold out. So I was looking at all this and I was thinking, what the hell is going on? So I went onto YouTube and I found some people. Of course, uh, Linus Tech Tips have is a really nice thing. And apparently there are a combination of factors. But the main factor is cryptocurrency mining. Mm-hmm. apparently the process of being able to mine for cryptocurrency uh, can be enhanced by a very good graphics card, which fits perfectly in with the gaming world. So here you have the pandemic, which causes a whole bunch of people to sit behind their computers and go, well, I want to make a new one. So the demand goes up and then you have these cryptocurrency people, some of which operate on a almost a, a, a a, a huge business scale in which they buy a hundred GPUs yep. to put in a GPU farm. So the demand uh, has just skyrocketed for GPUs, but the supply is very low, which means uh, there are scalpers on YouTube selling $400 GPUs for $1,500. Yes. So uh, what do we do with this issue? Phil, what have you been doing in your, your builds and your daily work to uh, help people build computers. What have you been it's doing? Been very, very problem? tricky. It's been very, very tricky. Uh, Nvidia cards, in particular, are are on a shortage, but the AMD side has been hit as well. And uh, in the past month, I've had two different computers in for uh, they're basically custom builds, and they wanted to retrofit them with the latest stuff. And in both cases, we had to outfit them with everything, but the GPU they really wanted because we just couldn't get it from anywhere. Um, and so basically what I've been doing and what I did on my own for budgetary reasons was I focused on the other elements of the PC to build it f- to eventually house one of those cards. And meanwhile, just had to kind of scrounge for one that would get me by. And so on the, the current uh, PC that I've got, it's just a GTX 1070, which is two full generations ago, but it gets the job done. It runs Red Dead Redemption, for example, just beautifully, all all features up. And availability is still up for that particular car? Well, no, that- no, it wasn't, but I just, I, I was able to find that one a little easier than I was the new ones. The new hmm. ones, the, the 2000 and the 3000 series, 3000 series, I mean, sold out almost immediately from when they were released. 
Yeah. And then the 2000 series, which was uh, the prior uh, generation. Yeah. Th those were scooped up next. So it really just comes down to waiting for the manufacturers to, to Catch get up. that supply back up. That's all, that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. There's no way around it. I would not recommend to anyone to buy one of the scalped ones. Um, you, and it, so that means it's important to know what these cards really are supposed to be worth. And it just takes a little bit of Google research to look up for that model. Go look at the manufacturer's website, find the actual list or retail price for it. And if you got someone selling one for way more than that, it's just not a good. Yeah, it's just not a good idea. Yeah. First of all, yeah. it's a waste of your money. But secondly, we're it's supporting it that. Yeah, the scumbags who do that. It's it's lousy. Yeah. So um, it's just going to require some patience if you're trying to build right now. Yeah, it's frustrating. No, here's I, an I, interesting. I would recommend waiting. Here's an interesting alternative that I saw uh, one uh, YouTube uh, uh, PC builder. He had the idea that um, you can find many of these uh, hard to find, like the 3070 or 3080 RTX NVIDIA in pre-built systems. So what if he bought a pre-built system and then sold everything but the graphics card? That's very clever. I now did he, not think of that. That's very clever. Yeah. So he took him through the whole process, took him about two months, and he broke it down about how much it cost him to build everything, each individual item, how much it cost, and then how much it cost him to resell it, and how close did he come to recouping his investment. He actually did pretty well, although the he didn't include his own efforts and labor Um to sell all of this stuff because he sold on eBay, he sold on places where it's cash only, um, where you connect with people and yeah, all of that. That's a lot of legwork. Yeah. And he came up with cl within $200 of his original price. He ended up spending, I think, $2,300 on the pre built that had mm -hmm. the 3080 in it. Mm -hmm. And he kept the 3080 for his own build. Right. And then sold everything else and he came up within about, he lost $200 on the deal. Now, compared to scalpers and also the moral issue that that's a, not a bad way to go. So my question to you is, why not buy a pre-built now? Yeah, I, I would I would guess that his result, uh, let's, let's give it the, the preface that most uh, TV offers do, which is your results may vary. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say that to do that kind of thing and that's right, <laughs> to do that kind of thing and come up where you only paid, you know, only lost 200 bucks, I'd say that's probably significantly better than the average person will fare to be realistic. You know, so if I would say engage in that only if uh, you're willing to either do a lot of legwork required to sell that stuff off either piecemeal or, uh, because particularly if you if you were to try to sell the whole, maybe you buy it and put a cheaper video card in there and then try to turn around and sell it. Uh, it's the, the tricky part of selling full computers on places like eBay is the shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That's I mean, going it, to kill you. It, it's $100 it, shipping easy. It's 100 bucks to ship it in the continental US. And if you're, you're, I don't even know what it is overseas, but it's, it's yeah, that's that's a real killer there. So now maybe you can sell the you know the motherboard if you can safely extract it and sell the individual parts. But I mean again, that's a lot of legwork and a lot of yeah, listings yeah. to manage. And and eBay is loaded with what would be termed used motherboards and used 
CPUs, and it's it's a slow game to sell stuff apart at a time there. So um, now, if if you've just if you've got the budget to buy a high end GPU, and you know you don't mind sitting on that old equipment or thinking, well, maybe I'll make the, some other use for that the rest of that PC elsewhere, then that's a great way to go. Mm-hmm. But if you're hoping to to even break even on on something like that, I'd say it's pretty high risk. Well, what about buying a uh, pre-built and not selling it, just buying it as the pre-built as opposed to building your own PC? Um, what's what's the advantage there given the GPU situation and, and everything? Yeah, you know, some some of the pre-builts are, uh, um, are, are pretty decent specs, you know, and I'm... I, I'm always being somebody who builds them, you know, myself. I'm I'm a little bit prejudicial, probably, against that, um, simply because you just when I build a PC, I know exactly what I'm putting in there. I know I know for a fact that every part in here is new. I know that that I grounded myself properly when I installed it all, and, and that nothing got shorted out, and that you know, et cetera, et cetera. And plus, I don't have to ship it anywhere, typically. <laughs> so, um, and that's the biggie, you know. So, and when you buy one online, there's just always going to be a little bit of uncertainty from that. And if you go with a well-known or established vendor that maybe supplies pre-built machines with this kind of stuff or does custom ones, well, then you pay a premium for that. Yeah. Um, it, there is a premium involved because it does take skill to do that right. And then to be able to deliver it properly and, and ship it properly so it arrives to you undamaged. So um, that being said, there are some interesting deals out there. Um, I've seen them on Amazon. Um, and the, 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 the hesitation for me is simply that who the heck is this vendor? You know, never heard of them. Because that's, that's the thing some people don't really understand about Amazon is Amazon isn't selling most of Amazon's stuff. Like it's it's a storefront for, well, pretty much anybody, anybody yeah. who registers and, and can, can sell on there. And yeah, you check them in their feedback rating is 72. Right. And then you go find out, well, well, this is the worst computer I've ever bought, but he wouldn't accept the return. I'm getting my refund through PayPal, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. 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 Re- reviews are, are a useful tool there to, to vet a vendor. Um, and just don't assume that if you're buying it on Amazon, don't don't assume that Amazon backs that purchase at all, because very often they don't. They can't. It's not theirs. Yeah. They're just the vehicle. So um, I, I think a pre-built is a good is a good situation, a good fit for some people's situation. Uh, but you do get a lot more control, a lot more quality control uh, when you build it yourself or have someone <laughs> that you trust build it. Here's a good one for you. Um, the reason I actually went in to build my own first PC was because I went out and uh, we have a local, uh, this was back in the late 90s, they had a local uh, sort of PC trader kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I found a store that wasn't very far from me that had a really good rig. It was like $2,200. It had the top of the line, everything. And so I went in and I looked at it and the, the guy was really helpful and I decided to buy it. So I bought mm-hmm. it. I started playing it about a week and a half later, the keyboard went out. Mm. Nothing I could do to fix it. I checked in all the connections and everything. So I had I bought a five-year uh, um, guarantee from them, an insurance guarantee from this company. Mm-hmm. So I knew that they were going to just replace the keyboard. So I wrapped it up. I took it down there. I went back to the store. The store was gone. 
<gasps> no. I looked inside the building, no furniture, no nothing, just some old beat up <laughs> oh, old Coke cans. That's it. Wow. Gone. So I, I contacted the Better Business Bureau and they said, well, you know, uh, they just left. The guy knew that they were going to go out of business within a week. And yet he ended up selling me a, a $2,200 and, and the five-year, he argued pretty aggressively for the five-year coverage on it. Mm-hmm. So I was out, no five-year coverage, had to end up buying it. And I said, you know, that's it. I'm going to build my own computer from now on. And I haven't looked back, but that's also another thing is you can end up getting ripped off by people who sure. they are just interested in making a buck. So that's the, uh, that's the downside. A positive side of making your own PC is that it's fun. It's a it lot really of fun. Is. It is fun to do it. It's fun to research. It's fun to lay out your choices. It's fun to put it together and build it uh, to the, your specifications. It's fun to use it. And that knowledge that you built something that works and that's good. Yeah, you can't, you can't get past that from, from buying a pre-built from someone else. I agree. So, so, uh, so let's talk about form factor and yep. also CPU. In my build, I chose the AMD Ryzen 7 3700X. Now, that for a gaming PC, you don't need a big CPU factor because the game isn't going to run through your CPU. Most of your CPU usage is going to be from other uh, content creation issues. But I wanted to have a, a, a slightly beefier CPU because it was a reasonable price. And AMD tends to run cooler, from my understanding, than the Intel processors. And um, I'll probably overclock the processor just a little bit. So I know there's going to be a little bit of extra heat. And I wanted a CPU that would still operate in a relatively cool uh, uh, level for gaming. Right. Um, what about you? And oh, I also chose the mini AT form factor, mostly because I've never tried it before, but also because the prices are good. And I like the idea of having something that's smaller than a, than a large, I've always had these large full, full ATX cases right. and they're, they're somewhat cumbersome and big. And I wanted to try something a little bit smaller this time. And th- those, those are the reasons why I made uh, my choices there. What about you, Phil? Um, I uh, I have an i9, an Intel i9, tenth uh, generation CPU in mine. I've I, I, I'm just I'm an, I'm an Intel loyalist. I'll confess it. So um, it's it's the technology I know and the brand that I know. So uh, that's what I went with. Um, and then I I got kind of a roomy case because I've 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 found that one of the big challenges, uh, like we talked about when we were discussing laptops, is airflow. Uh, and this is regardless of whether you've got, uh, you know, a liquid cooling thing with a radiator or whether you're just using fans. It's the, the single most important aspect to, first of all, making the PC last a good long time and also, uh, uh, you know, run optimally when you're really pushing it is getting that heat out of there. And it, a big case helps a lot with that. A big case can also help because some of these, the, the graphics cards nowadays are the, the good ones yeah, are quite yeah. large. And, you know, while that only affects you when you're putting it together for the most part and trying to figure out how to fit everything in there, um, I tend to like to have a little, little more room to maneuver, yeah. to be able to route cables cleanly and that kind of thing. Um, one aspect uh, 
that is often overlooked with regard to case is uh, the space behind the motherboard, which is weird because on most PCs, there's one panel that the motherboard is mounted to, and then that's just the back panel. It's done. But if you want to route your cables cleanly, you need a little bit of room back there to be able to trace the cables uh, behind that metal plate behind the motherboard. Um, and uh, when that's not there, it's there's no room to run cables neatly and tidy, tidily back there. So there are some cases that, that offer a little bit more uh, space between the back of the motherboard and the yeah. actual panel that comes off. Yeah, you actually that's helpful for cable routing purposes. Yeah, you run into the problem that I had in one of my builds in which uh, I didn't have a lot of room in the back and I tried to run the larger power cables, Yes, uh, which are generally thicker in there. Mm -hmm. And it actually uh, made it so I couldn't completely close that side of the computer. Very common thing. And yeah. I realized I had to route them inside of the, the, to the side of the motherboard, which also affected airflow as well. Yeah. So it's something you're going to have to do, consider when you're uh, deciding on a motherboard. And also the size of your GPU, you have to make sure that the case that you buy is going to be able to fit that GPU. Some of these GPUs are incredibly long. Yes. yes. And if you, and especially in the form factor I chose, you know, there's the um, micro ATX, the mini ATX, uh, AT form factor, and then the standard large ATX form factor. On especially the mini and the micro you have to be really careful that you don't get yes. a case that won't accept the graphics card that you get. So make sure you actually check the lengths. Yeah. Um, sometimes they'll specify that on the manufacturer's site. They'll, they'll tell you what cards will fit and what don't, or they manufacture it in order to fit all cards. Like the two uh, cases I'm interested in, I'm a real fan of the NZXT cases. Uh, I've got one now and it, it's just got wonderful airflow, but mm -hmm. I'm also really intrigued with this, uh, um, micro uh, mini ATX uh, Lian Li zero one dynamic. It's a very wide case, mm -hmm. and it also gives you uh, the ability to be able to rearrange the layout inside around your motherboard. Nice. So if you want to store, like you want it, you you choose to do water cooling mm -hmm. on your your CPU. Uh, you can actually you have two or three choices as to where to put that. The reservoir and all of that stuff. Right, right. So I, I'm really intrigued with that, and I'm I'm sort of divided about which one I want to do. But Lee and Lee has always been a great uh, case maker. They tend to be sort of upper, the higher end level. But this Lee and Lee Mini was only eighty nine dollars. Oh, that's a good price. Yeah, that's a good price for a good case. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you're going to go ATX and I'm going to go mini ATX. Mm -hmm. So now GPU, let's talk about the GPU. There are none to be had right now anywhere. Uh, I'm not going to play scalpers. Now, uh, this podcast will come out after uh, March 18th. But on March 18th, AMD is releasing their 6700 series uh, GPUs. Uh, I'm going to try to get one. I don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. One minute after midnight on the 18th, I'll be on their website trying to buy one, which 100,000 other people are going to be doing the same thing. I don't know whether I'll get one, but right. I chose the AMD because um, I wanted to try an all AMD system. I like AMD. I've met with them at SIGGRAPH several times. I like the direction that they're going. 
the uh, this uh, particular GPU is going to be four hundred and forty nine dollars. Nice. Um, the sixty seven hundred XT it uh, it is perfect for micro ATX gaming. It's got the new PCIe four O, and it's got the uh, uh, I love. Um, I'm going to use an Asus case, a Asus Tough Gaming. I like their BIOS setup. I love, I like the way they do their BIOS when you overclock. Um, there are other many other choices there, but in terms of the getting back to the card again, um, it's a real good bang for your buck. People have talked about really excellent frame rates. You're not going to get the hundred plus and everything, but uh, in the um, oh, what's that wonderful game, Cyberpunk. Uh, 2077 they were mm -hmm. uh with a the similar cpu they were getting 60 to the high 70s for frame rates at the top level of you know if they put the, the highest level of uh of uh, uh graphics for the game right i also like the uh, fact that it will do uh ray tracing it will include ray tracing, although it doesn't have the technology that NVIDIA has, which is the DLS, DLSS technology. Do you know about that, Phil? Uh, doesn't it ring a bell? The NVIDIA, uh, uh, it enables them to upsample a, uh, uh, a particular frame rate uh, uh, from, say, 1080p to 2K. You can upsample, and it, it's a special... Okay. Yeah, it's a special... Um, uh, AI focused uh, uh, method of doing that. AMD is launching. Uh, they don't have that, which actually makes the NVIDIA cards slightly better. But uh, AMD is moving towards it. But I just like AMD, and I wanted to give them a, a chance in this uh, particular build. Yeah, I tend to uh, I tend to lean towards NVIDIA. Um, if if I were buying one right now, I I don't know what I would do, but I I I would have to be. I would think more open-minded uh, because of availability. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one that I've got in, in my most recent build is uh, a GeForce uh, GTX 1070, eight gigabyte card. And uh, I paid, I don't know, somewhere around 400 bucks for it. Um, the, uh, the, the 2000 and 3000 series, actually the 3000 series is intriguing because they do have, quite a bit of variance in the product line where there's some that are at that type of price point. And then of course the, the kind that are almost too grand, you know, for the founder's edition cards. Right. They call them, right. You know? um, so it, it gives you a lot of options there. Unfortunately, none of them are available at all right now. So, uh, but when they are uh, and when supply gets back into shape, there'll be some good options there. Yeah. And yeah. AM, AMD is a perfectly fine card. Uh, and a lot of this, you know, a lot of, as you'll find with a lot of these choices, it, it, comes down to uh, personal preference weighs a lot, you know? Yeah. Personal well, also availability. Brand. I mean, they're, they're going to be releasing this new card. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. If not, I'm just going to use my old GPU and the, the new build for now. Sure. Um, I also like the, uh, the fact, I, I'm not, I don't think that the ray tracing technology in games has advanced to a level in which, unless you want to pay thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, is significantly better. So from a machinima filmmaker's point of view, do you want that just tiny little bit better look in, in Red Dead Redemption as you're looking over the valley, you know? I don't think it really makes a difference. 
So GTX to RTX, you could save money if you did a GTX 1070 as mm -hmm. opposed to a RTX 2070. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You can save yourself a couple hundred bucks and you're still going to get really good uh, frame rates and it's going to look great. Yeah, I agree. And uh, there's, uh, you know, a lot of that comes down to what your intent is with the computer. If you do intend to, uh, to do any work with stuff that is more ray tracing intensive and not so much machinima, um, then one of the, I know, uh, actually Evan Ryan, our, our friend of the show, had me advise him on a PC build earlier uh, last year. And that was a, a point he was very interested in for his build because of some specific graphics work that he wanted to uh, to do some work in, not machinima, not not running games at all. So yeah, you're right. I don't think it's it's an important factor right now, even though it is, it's talked about, you know, you'll find YouTubers talking about how important that is and whatnot. But I think the reality is that, yeah, it's really only just getting started. Uh, games that can even take full advantage of that. Um, you know, I mean, even Minecraft can, can take advantage of that if it's modded and tweaked properly, but yeah, not a lot, not a whole lot of people are playing the game that way. So, right. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about RAM and uh, RAM size. Now, mm -hmm. I think the bare minimum, you have to have 16 gigabytes of RAM. Um, and I think it has to be at a fairly healthy speed, maybe 2700 or even 32 if you can afford it. But the bare minimum, 16. Uh, would you agree with that? I would. Yeah. For, for a, a gaming or machinima PC, uh, 16. Uh, honestly, 32 gigs would be a better solution long-term for if you're planning to, to fully produce your work on that computer because RAM really comes in handy when you're doing nonlinear video editing. Um, the, the, more, the more you can hold in RAM, then the more efficiently you can work with right. a yeah. lot of tracks and uh, you know get, get good playback rates while you're previewing and, and prepping your video for rendering. That's where that really comes in handy. It doesn't hurt the game either. I mean, any of these elements that, even though the GPU does most of the work, the CPU and the RAM both significantly impact how the game is going to run. But where it really matters is when when you're capturing footage, or when you're editing footage, RAM is is indispensable. So I mean, some people so even go thirty two would be a better yeah. Better some even go with sixty four gigs. I feel like that's overkill for most people. Okay, but thirty two gigs is a good target, and sixteen is is perfectly competent. All right. I'll, I think I'm going to change mine to 32. Now, I chose the G-Skill Ripjaw. The, again, the market is so huge for um, memory. For years, I used Mushkin memory, which I think is really good. In Denver, they make all of their own stuff. Uh, Ripjaw is really good. Uh, gosh, there are many other brands. This uh, ends up being about 92 bucks for 16 uh, gigabytes. It runs at uh, 2800 uh, 28. 28,800 uh, speed, which is perfect. That's a great um, speed. Yeah, it's a good speed. It can it overclocks well if you want to do that. Uh, but I think I'm going to up, up mine to 32. I think you're absolutely right on that, uh, just for a long term, because I plan on using my workstation to produce Machinima. So I think I'm going to do that. What, did you, what brand of uh, RAM do you like to use? I tend to look at Crucial first, just because I really like their uh, on their website the the product configurator that they have 
to where you can match it up either by motherboard or by uh, if you're trying to you know find RAM for a uh, an OEM computer from you know Dell or someone like that. Uh, you can get a guaranteed match, and that could be that could be a challenging uh, part of things sometimes. Uh, so I tend to look there first, but uh, beyond that, uh, Crucial Kingston, uh, I don't really have any any hardcore brand loyalty there. Um, I, I do if I haven't heard of the name, then I stay away from it. But uh, yeah, yeah. All things being equal, I don't, I don't, I don't have any particular preference amongst the majors. As a as a builder myself, I tend to go with the stuff that has good quality control, which is why I like to stick with Asus. I know Gigabyte and AR has have really good motherboards, and mm-hmm. I like them. And I know Crucial is very good, um, but I tend to go with the stuff where when I buy it, it works and it yeah. continues to work until I don't have. Two weeks later, it all dies on you and you have to return it. And it's a tedious yep. process, you know. And if you um, don't have the kind of experience, if, listeners, if you don't have the kind of experience that Ricky or I do, so because that's what we use to gauge that is is this, these years of experience. If you don't have that kind of experience, reviews can be your savior there. Um, really thoroughly read through reviews on sites like Amazon or, or uh, Tom's and, hardware, Amazon in particular, Tom's hardware is fantastic. And tech look, is another look up place a specific to item that you're looking at and see what actual people who've used it are saying. Uh, that is, it's remarkably, a, it's a remarkably effective way to, uh, to determine the quality of a product. You wouldn't think it would be. It's a bunch of random strangers who knows who's, who's BSing or whatever, but it, again, don't just read one, one review. Spend some time and do the research, and it really yeah. does pay off. It and it's a lot of fun to compare things when you sit down and, like, uh, when I was looking at RAM, I must have read five or six different articles and watched videos all saying, "Well, no, this crucial is the way you ought to go." You know what I mean? And then the, talking about the quality control on it. Oh, I my first sticks weren't good, and I had to send them back. I'm not going to go with a company that does that. Right. You know what I mean? They're and obviously- wherever you buy from, I, I'll just interject this. I'm sorry, but wherever no, you buy from, uh, make sure that that the vendor has a a very uh, has a good return policy, uh, because there you know there's there's a window of time after you purchase something where it's the person who sold it to you that's responsible. And then after that window elapses, it comes down to the manufacturer support and warranty of it to, to do a return material authorization, an RMA. You want to try and, if you're going to have a problem, you want to hope it's in that initial 30, 60 days, whatever period it is with the, the vendor, and that that vendor has a good return policy. Um, or if it's Amazon, make sure the vendor within the vendor because each individual seller on there has their own return policy. Make sure right. you've got a good return policy. That can save you a ton of trouble because a lot of times if there's a problem with the part, it's going to manifest itself early, very early. And you want to generally you can get a very quick exchange or even refund depending on the policy. Whereas if you get over into RMA territory, sometimes these companies are headquartered overseas, they may not have 24/7, you know, uh, help desk and it, it can be it can be a chore sometimes to to get them to uh, process a return for you. So having the vendor having a good return policy is very, very valuable. Right. Uh, that leads us nicely into the next thing. Where do you buy your parts? 
I, for years, I used to go through either the vendor's website themselves directly working with them or through a broker like Newegg. I oftentimes bought stuff from Newegg or BH uh, Photo in New York. Um, their shipping is good. Their return policies are really good. Um, they always pack and ship really well. If you end up buying from somebody you don't know and they just throw the thing in a box with no padding and it gets all bashed around, it may be broken by the time it gets to you. And uh, then you return it and you say, hey, it was broken. They go, well, no, it isn't. Then you get into this big rigmarole with them and it's hard to return. So check all of that when you buy. There's many choices. Who, Who do you buy from for the most part, Phil? Well, through most of my purchases are through my business. So we use a a distributor that's, you know, specifically designed to work with, uh, they don't work directly with the public, but where I recommend people to, to look, uh, is, uh, Amazon first and foremost. And I know people have mixed feelings about Amazon and some of their business practices. And I respect that, but they really can blow just about everything out of the water in terms of price. Yeah. Um, you want to read the fine print carefully again on the return policy and stuff, but Amazon is a good choice. Newegg is excellent. CDW out of Chicago are good, but they're not the best on price. Uh, but they do have an excellent uh, back end support of their products uh, and and uh, a good return policy and and good support when you buy from them. So that may be worth considering. And if you're in that area by chance, uh, you can actually order in well. Actually, I don't know if that's the case now during COVID, but it used to be that you could you could order on their website and go pick it up in person and save save shipping that way. Um, I think if micro, you are buying from Amazon, go ahead. I think Micro Center um, has a good. They're they've got about ten locations around the country. Yeah, um, there's one, and they're they're pretty good. You know, I bought some things from them. I used to buy a lot from Fries, so it was uh, because I just I love their fries. their themed uh, right. The one here in Burbank was of a flying saucer crashed into the front of the building. <laughs> they always had good stuff until they didn't. And then right. they started falling. And then you, I think the last time I went into them, there was like rows of which there was nothing on the shelves. Yeah. You know, it was just this ghost town. So that little nostalgia. That happened to a lot of those retail stores. Yeah. What was the, yeah. a Comp USA used to be oh, a yeah. big place. And now those are all gone, of course. They're all and- gone. Tiger Direct was their their web front. That's I find I I, I don't look there very often uh, or don't tell people to look there very often because they're they've kind of been overshadowed. Uh, B and H I buy from certain types of things. Yeah, um, they're their shipping they're, is the they're best. Absolutely yeah. excellent vendor. Yeah, yeah. ones very, I would avoid good. would be uh, Best Buy unless you have no other choice. Um. Sometimes they do come in good on on price on things, um, but I've just I've just had personal numerous bad experiences with them as a company, and have had customers of mine that have had numerous bad experiences. It's just it's just put a bad taste in my mouth. There's there's plenty of fish in the sea, you know. So yeah. I tend to tell people to shop elsewhere. That your best buy may be just fine, but um, yeah. it's not one that I at all go out of my way for. So, okay, we've got all of our, our build. We've got all the material. Let's close out the uh, uh, podcast with talking about the actual build process. Okay. What do you recommend for somebody starting out to build it? What, what, what are your tips for that? Well, you, you need a, uh, obviously need a good, flat, clean workspace. Um, 
it's going to be much more room than the the case takes up because uh, you're going to want to be able to kind of lay out your parts. Uh, um, the first thing I would do is if, if you've ordered all the parts and had to come in is, is go through and inspect all those parts first. Make sure that there are what you ordered, that there haven't been damaged in shipping that you can see. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of just get yourself organized. Um, everything starts with the case, obviously. Um, and I always put my motherboard in first, uh, simply because that's, that's probably the most sensitive piece that you put in, in terms of, uh, um, you know, small components on it that could get damaged if they get banked and that kind of thing. And the, the mounting, um, motherboards all sit on, on risers that keep the, the, circuit board elevated from the back of the case. You want to make sure that that is that every possible place that there's a screw hole to put a riser underneath that you use all of those so that the board is nice and sturdy so that it doesn't bend when you're pushing the graphics card in and things like that. Um, once the motherboard is in, um, which part of that is uh, fitting the, the part of the motherboard that sticks out of the case, you know, where your USB ports and your video ports and all that is, you have to kind of line that up properly. There's usually a little template that um, uh, that you serves as a cover for that. Um, so once that's in, I typically do the CPU next, um, and whatever heat sink or fan or whatever device, a liquid cooling thing, whatever goes on that, um, I typically would do that next. Um, thermal cooling, uh, thermal paste between your CPU and fan or heat sink is vital. High quality thermal paste. High too. quality, Get the yeah. Best you can. Um, there, there's, there's, there's numerous brands of that. Um, everybody has a favorite. I'm not even going to name any of them, but just yeah, go with a, a reputable brand. Uh, Tom's Hardware would would give wonderful recommendations there. It's not expensive, but it's really, really important to uh, optimize. You know the 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 more heat you can draw away from that processor, the better it's going to perform. That's what it comes right. down to. One thing I can recommend when you're snapping these parts in that took me a little while to figure out, and I think you'll agree with me, is that there's a difference between being forcing something and being firm when you're putting something in. Absolutely. A couple of times when I was in my first builds, I forced things and they broke. <laughs> yeah, it can happen. Because I just happen. pushed two hards and I kept thinking, well, it's their problem. No, it's not their problem. These they're your parts that are designed to fit together and sometimes they just need to be have a have a firm push on it so it's best to do it uh less pressure at first and then slowly build up the pressure until it fits right into if, if you have to yeah uh, if at all most of these builds are going to be such that it's going to fit right in but occasionally you might especially like the um what is the metal shield that uh, you have uh, for the outputs of the motherboard on the back of the case? What's that called? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, uh, that it snaps into template. place. Right. Yeah, it's and usually made that, of a very thin aluminum. Right, but it fits in in a very particular way. Yeah, and so you have to be you have to fiddle with that for a while until you get it fitting just right. Yeah, and then also fitting the motherboards, the any protrusions like a like uh, the USB port or anything else, they have to fit into those holes. And so you have to be careful into laying them in uh, so that they snap right into place. Just be firm when you do yep. that. 
Now, one thing that I do is I don't put in the motherboard first. I put the motherboard on top of the motherboard box and uh, with a grounding uh, pad underneath it. Mm-hmm. And I attach the CPU there and I attach the RAM and any cooling that I, I do. Usually, uh, in this case, I'm just going to do uh, stock cooling because I, I'm not going to be doing massive overclocking. Mm-hmm. And then I put the motherboard in because... And that's a perfectly some- acceptable way to do it. Yeah. It's really yeah, just preference. Part of it is, is that my hand, I've got big hands mm-hmm. and sometimes trying to get in there to fit the little fan attachments to the motherboard can be really tough and tedious. Plus my eyesight isn't what it used to be. Yeah. I actually yeah, bought a little miners. I buy a little miners. I bought a little miners cap. Uh, I have one. I has, use it on every build. Yeah. That has a light in the front. Yep. Yeah. So that it points right down to what I'm looking at, because I found that having both hands free to be able to build is much easier than having one with a flashlight and one the other hand because you can't Absolutely. hold things. So I'd recommend going to that. Um, how about grounding yourself when you're working on it? Do you still use the wrist strap or do you just ground yourself to the computer when you're building it? Yeah, I typically use the wrist strap up until the point where I can put the power supply unit in and actually plug it in because then you've got ground through that and that basically transmits some degree of ground to the whole to the whole case and you can then ground yourself off the case but up to that point yeah i'll use some kind of a grounding strap just to be careful yeah right so so basically you get the uh, cpu the uh the fan the ram Mm -hmm. uh the power supply and then the power supply has two very large you'll have three major power uh elements to that Two go directly onto the motherboard, and the, that that large, uh, what is it, twenty four pin, something like that. Typically, yeah. Mm-hmm. That takes a strong. You really have to be firm when you snap that into the motherboard. That, but it, but it's pretty clear how to do it, and where to do yep. it. Yep, and it can only on go there. in one way. So, right. uh, yeah. If it, if if you're starting, this goes into what Ricky was talking about about don't force things. Yeah. If it's not at least starting to slide in there with relative ease, then don't don't force it to check and make sure that you've got it facing the right direction. Right. And once it's started this way, and then you do need to apply that firmness to get it to seat all the way in there. Um, same thing goes with all those types of power connectors that they, they're all designed by the shape of the plastics to only go in the right way. Um, but the, it's sometimes not always easy to tell which way that is from looking at it. Right. Um, I would say with regard to the power supply, one thing that can make your life easier and it, it, it does mean a little bit more expense for the power supply, but for me, it's worth it is to get a, mod, a, a power supply that's called modular. Yes. And what that, the difference between a regular power supply and a modular one is a regular power supply. Those major cables coming off of it are permanently affixed to the power supply unit with modular. You actually plug in only what you need. Um, and they'll, they'll send you a whole ream of cables that you can use but you only plug in the ones that you actually need. So the big one for the motherboard, the one for the CPU on the motherboard, the one for your graphics card typically, and then the SATA connections for hard drives, DVD drive, that kind of thing. And uh, usually that is an easier situation to work with if you want the end result to be something relatively clean looking, you know, uh, is to have only the cables in there that you actually need. Um, That being said, it adds pretty decent amount of expense to the power supply. So um, 
you know, if you can only get the other kind, you can still make it work. You just just have to to deal with that aspect of it of of there not being much flexibility there and how you can can wrangle those cables. What do you think a minimum uh, a wattage on a power supply should be? I'm thinking about six fifty. Yeah, for a machinima mm-hmm. PC um, with the the typical graphics card, yeah, six fifty. Um, if you were if you were getting one of the really high end cards, you know, one of the founders edition cards or something like that then you're probably looking at more like 850 just to be safe. And it also depends on how many uh, disk drives you're going to have in there. That's that's a big factor on right. power right. draw. Solid state drives draw a lot less power than regular hard drives. Sometimes you end up needing both in a machine, you know, because you can get lots of space cheaply on a hard drive for maybe your permanent storage. and But you want SSDs on your operating system and programs and maybe even where you're your footage would be written because it's just going to be right. that much faster, that much more lossless is capable. Well, it's, it's interesting to see the modern uh, computers have done away with the DVD and CD drive, mm-hmm. uh, most of them. So you use an external. Same mm-hmm. way with uh, storage, you use an external drive for that. So my choice of the uh, uh, Lian Lee um, was partly driven by the fact that I'm only going to have one uh, actual hard drive. Uh, inside of it, although I'll have two, it has capacity for two NVMEs M2s that I'm going to do as one terabyte drive. So I'll have two or three terabytes in the hard drive. I'll have an extra terabyte for storage, plus the C drive will be one terabyte as well. So I don't need extra PCI slots for that. For that, just Perfect. one, one for the graphics card is just fine. A couple uh, things I'll mention with regard to that is. Um, well, first of all, the basics. If if you don't know, uh, it, does solid state drive make a difference? Oh my, absolutely, oh, it does. Oh, there oh, is oh, no oh. thing that you can do to a computer to vault its performance forward than to get off of a hard drive and onto a solid state drive. Um, it's minimum reads and writes ten to t- ten times faster. Uh, and you see every bit of that performance. So even if, you, let's say you've got an existing build and you're just looking for, oh, gee, how can I spruce this up? I can't afford to do a new build. I just want to get more out of this one. If it, if your main disk drive in there is a hard drive, see about switching it to a solid state. It will change your life. Here's, really the, analog- well. Here's the analogy. In Mad Max Beyond the Thunderbolt, Thunderdome, the evil guy has his uh, uh, rig his hot rig and he's going along at super speed and he reaches down and he pulls the nitro. <laughs> That's right? it. And yeah. the, the, the car suddenly goes three <laughs> times faster. That's what the experiences of putting an SSD on your computer is. Absolutely. It's now, just bam. There are solid states that look just like hard drives and plug into the same ports as hard drives. And those are about 10 times faster on average than a regular hard drive. If you look at the M2 drives, and those are ones that it's just a chip that basically either mounts directly onto the motherboard, taps you know right into the main line there, or if you don't have that on your motherboard, you can actually get a PCI Express card right, that right. will let you seat one of those there and you get faster bus speed. That is yet another order of magnitude faster. Yeah. And, and you want to, we never really talked about brand on those, but you want to, you do not want to skimp on quality. Uh, on your your hard drive, on your solid state drive, excuse me. You don't want to on your hard drive either, but 
the main thing is the the solid state drive. Um, Samsung's a very good manufacturer. My personal favorite is Western Digital Black. Yep. There are different types of Western Digital Drives that are different levels of performance. Blue is perfectly competent for normal storage, but if you want to max it out, the Western Digital Black M2 Drive, oh my, fantastic. Really, really fantastic. Very reliable. And very reasonably priced. Very. So, um, yeah, that's that's solid-state drives. The only other thing I wanted to mention, Ricky, is you mentioned that yours has two M2 slots on the motherboard. Something that I've noticed recently is some motherboards, when you make use of one or more of those onboard M2 slots, it actually it reuses the bus for one or more oh, of your SATA ports. I see. So read the motherboard documentation carefully because if you do end up seating two of those on there, it could be that not all your SATA ports will be live anymore. And you just want to make sure. So if you've got, let's say a, an extra hard drive for more storage or something else that's, that's plugging into those, those SATA or SATA ports, you want to make sure you're plugging them into the right ones. Right. It's something that's not obvious what's happening and you'll, you'll fire up the computer and you can't see that drive and you don't know why. And that's why. So yeah. it's, I don't know that all of them do that. I don't think they do, but some do. And these are, you know, very high end, good motherboards, but that it's just something that they've done for efficiency purposes um, to make use of exi- existing buses instead of adding new ones. Yeah. That's one thing I have a, a real positive experience with Asus uh, computers. Their motherboard manual is excellent. In fact, it is. you can actually use the Asus manual as the template for building your computer. Because really it lays, it lays out... That lays out everything step by step by step, including the many of the suggestions we've made here. Um, it'll tell you about grounding. It'll tell you how to, to, to what to do, how to set it all up. So, uh, in a lot of times, I don't necessarily read the mother or the manual on some items, but on a motherboard manual, especially for Asus, I can vouch for there being high quality. They spend a lot of time on it, and in fact, I still use it as a. I recently did some work on my computer and I went back to the manual and I just found it immediately. The way they have it all laid out is just yeah, perfect. They've clearly invested a lot of effort in that and it shows. If, you, if you've ever tried to work with a motherboard with a badly written manual, you'll know how valuable a good one is. <laughs> Asus exactly. really is doing that right. I've got I've got an Asus uh, ROG motherboard in, in my current uh, Machinima build and yeah, the manual was, was indispensable. Yeah. So now um, it's it's easy to find lots of videos and many websites to tell you through the whole rest of the process of uh, building uh, right. your computer. We've just given you some tips here. Why don't we close out by talking about what you do after you've you've built your computer, you've installed your Windows Home or Windows Pro. What sort of uh, steps do you do after you've done that? What sort of testing do you do, Phil? Hmm. Well, uh, I mean, the, the first thing is, is to inventory everything. I mean, you can physically look inside the computer's case and see that everything's in there, but you want to make sure that your operating system is also seeing all of those things. Um, and uh, very often what won't be seen right away are any storage devices that you've got attached that aren't the primary one. When you install Windows... It formats and, you know, gives a drive letter for and everything, your C drive, it's there. But very often the other drives are brand new, you know, these virgin drives sitting there and 
they're not usable yet. So you have to go into the Windows Disk Manager and format those drives and assign them drive letters and all of that. So that's 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 a basic thing that I do. The other is right. I tend to uh, to make sure that I've got the right drivers specifically for the video card, but it's always a good idea to install the right motherboard drivers first before you try to install any third-party hardware drivers. Sometimes you do the that, mother- you go straight to the manufacturer. Right, Sometimes exactly. Windows 10 just takes care of that. I mean, like them, like them or not, Windows 10 is excellent with hardware. Mm-hmm. And it, it detects them and very often puts the right one in place with yeah, one exception. Yeah. One exception for me is the video card driver. Video card drivers are updated so often Microsoft cannot keep up in their catalog. And so whatever driver you're getting from Microsoft for your video card is almost without almost without exception going to be older than the newest one that's available. So even if when you start up the computer, Windows has automatically assigned and detected your AMD video card and the model and you think, oh, it's good. Go to the manufacturer's site and get the latest driver from either NVIDIA or AMD or whichever you're using and install that. Um, yeah, so those are those are the first things that I do. I'll, I'll go ahead and push through any outstanding Windows updates. Um, and my rationale on that: some people don't don't like messing with Windows updates, but with Windows 10, you can't really opt out of them. So you're not choosing whether or not you can install these updates. It's when, and I like to just get it out of the way. Yeah, go ahead and get it up to the latest version. Very often, they're beneficial, but even if they're not, they're inevitable. So go ahead and get them done on your terms and not have it do it the next time you're rebooting the machine and are in a hurry. And that's of course, when the big update is going to, is going to apply itself (laughs) and and slow you down. So that's, that's, that's typically what I do is I go through the device manager. I make sure that everything that I've got is in there that shows up and that it has a driver, that there's nothing with a yellow exclamation point saying it doesn't have a driver or isn't functioning. And then I format the drives and update the operating system and drivers. And from there, it's install Steam and get some game action going. Yes, exactly. I generally get a small application that's usually free that tells me what my system configuration is. Windows hasn't quite gotten to the point where they make that easy. And um, you can frequently get really nice. uh, There's one that I got called Specky that is a free download and it just tells oh, you yeah. everything. Oh yeah, I know Specky. Right. Yeah, you, you've got it. It's all laid out nicely. You can print it out and you can have it in front of you. And, you know, there's all sorts of things. You can test your graphics card. I mean, there are all sorts of list of things, but the essential thing is to get windows in shape and then get all your drivers, especially as Phil pointed out, your graphics drivers updated. And NVIDIA has made that process and also AMD has made that process much easier than it used oh, yeah. to be. Oh uh, Yeah. So you download the driver, you click the install, you run it as administrator. Make sure you run it as administrator as opposed to just a straight open on it. And on Windows, you can right-click the EXE or the uh, uh, icon for the program and select run as admin. And then just install it. It takes care of everything for you. Yep. Snip, snap. I'd say an extra hour or two getting your system all ready to go. And then it's steam time, baby. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, like, for example, Red Dead Redemption takes over 100 gigabytes of space. So you're going to have to have a fairly healthy uh, C drive. Um, of course, you could you could alternatively do it to another drive, but generally I don't do that. I stay on the, the C drive. So make sure you have – I always choose – in my build, I've got a, I'm going to have a one terabyte 
uh, M2 drive that I'm going to go to. Um, I think that's enough speed, uh, enough size for for the games that I'm going to use. But games have become a lot larger. I remember when people were complaining when a game was a, more than a gigabyte in size. People yeah. were going, what? I don't have the room for that. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, I remember someone so had- complaining about that right before the first Mass Effect came game came out, and then the download size showed up. It was like twenty three point six gigs. It's like what? <laughs> but it was so worth it. Oh, oh my goodness! It certainly was. Yeah. All right, let's close out with uh, any final thoughts you might have on PC builds. Any advice or thoughts you could give people who are starting out? You know, I would second your most recent comment about the uh, don't skimp on the size of the solid state drive, especially the main one. Um, get a little more than you think you'll need um, because yeah, not only does windows grow over time as updates are applied, but uh, uh, you know, the games are big. And so you want to kind of have in mind what you're going to install on there when you're kind of charting out how you're going to do your space. And yes, a second drive, sometimes having two one terabyte drives is more economical than a single two terabyte drive. Um, so that, that's something that's worth attention ahead of time to plan out and, and uh, have plenty of space. Cause the worst thing in the world is to, to accidentally paint yourself into the corner of you've run out of space on your C drive. The computer won't function properly. And it's, it's not always easy to get out of that without drastic measures. So yeah, it's, it's better to just spend a little more and get a little bit more space or maybe even a lot more space uh, to give yourself room to grow. Yep. All right. Well, hey, Phil, I really enjoyed talking to you about making PCs. I was looking forward to this conversation for many days when we first came up with it. As always, we you can contact us through many different ways. Um, uh, Phil can tell you all about those, but We've done it before, so I'm sure you know. Uh, we also have... <laughs> you know, just also contact have, us through the what happens. <laughs> we, we have show notes. I'm tired. I'm sorry. It's we okay. have uh, We have show notes that all of the links uh, to everything we've discussed will be in it. And if you have any questions about builds or you want a certain amount of advice, uh, please just let us know. Here's so, what I'd like ha- to see, too. Uh, if you're listening to this and have, have been intrigued by or interested by this conversation... Post a comment somewhere, uh, wherever you uh, would like, in one of our feedback methods. We'd love to see what your spec is. What do you oh, think? Yeah. Is, is, what, what's your spec for your machinima creation computer look like? Where do you think we were wrong uh, on hardware recommendations? Where do you think we were right? What did you pick? We'd love to see that. Uh, I know yep. on some Reddit forums, uh, people will just post that in their signature. Tom's Hardware is popular there, too. We're just right in the signature. It's whatever the main components that our build are. We'd love to see that for, for you. What are, what are you using and what do you use your computer for? That would be very interesting to, to everybody. So we'd love to see that. Yep. And I'll update you on uh, how I did with the, whether I was able to get the uh, um, Ryzen uh, AMD uh, RX 67 XT on the 18th and also on my build. I'll do some posts on the blog and let you know how that turns out. Yeah. Sounds great. All right. Thanks a lot, Phil. Real good talking to you. Thank you. Take care, everyone. We'll see you. Music is by deleted user 984625. It's Mix05. And if you have uh, suggestions about uh, or ideas about a PC build for Machinima, let us know. Both uh, my build and Phil's build will be at our blog at completelymachinima.com. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.